This is the 2TM News Podcast with Jack Howard and Tim Coates. Thanks to Supersteel. If it's happened in the news over the last week, you'll hear Jack and Tim discuss it right here on the 2TM News Podcast. Thanks to Supersteel Tamworth, providing quality steel products, excellent customer service, along with cutting, bundling and prompt delivery. There's steel and then there's Supersteel. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 2TM News Podcast. Well, it's been a while in between innings, but it's good to have him back. It's a very good afternoon to our co-host, Tim Coates. Welcome back to the country. Yeah, apparently my um, passport let me back into the country, so I don't know how that happened, but I'm back. It's great to have you back. And uh, speaking about passports, this man's got a couple and it's good to have him on the line. It's the member for the New England, Barnaby Joyce. Good afternoon, Barnaby. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Tamworth and all surrounds. Mate, you've only got one passport. I just want to clarify that. We're not going to go over old ground. I used to have a couple, but I'm back to one now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We won't even go there, will we? Mate, uh, it was was great um, to have a bit of a listen to the State of the Nation update, and we've got some clips so that we can plug in. But um, you did touch on dams and you did touch on power, and um, I think you and I talked afterwards. Baseload power, uh, at the moment we're getting from coal-fired power stations, you touched on nuclear power. it's obviously something we should consider. Is there a way forward and what's your position and what, what can you make happen for us? Well, I believe strongly that the world has moved on and technology's moved on and uh, nuclear in its current form is a lot more viable and powerful option. I say that because we now have a thing called uh, modular nuclear reactors and they're called pebble bed reactors. And what that means is as if there was an issue with the overheating, the rocks, the pebbles, expand, and it breaks down the capacity for there to be a, a what I call a, a, a nuclear reaction. So the actual pro- proponent that drives the facility stops. Now, these are 50-megawatt plants, and they'll, in a sense, they'll be just sold off the shelf. And uh, with technology so much further ahead, I think we need to now have another look at it. And in an inquiry that I held in Sydney, uh, one of the issues that I really just dreamt up uh, sort of half a joke, which was, if you can see the nuclear reactor, your powers are free. That is actually the policy in some countries, and that's how they, they sell it to areas. But what we're looking at now are things that probably would sit on a tennis court. Uh, it's it's a completely different form of technology. Uh, I think if we want zero emissions and dispatchable power, baseload power, then we've got to have a look at this. And, and by the way, we're selling uranium to the rest of the world for them to use it. In, the, in such items as modular reactors, so why don't we use it ourselves? And we're storing it, you know, like we're, we're taking a byproducts at times as well. Well, we're doing both. What we do is we, we dig it up, we semi-process it, we take it through the middle of town, we send it overseas for them to use in their nuclear reactors, and then we take the rubbish and bring it back to Australia. But yeah. we don't want to use it ourselves. It just doesn't make sense. No. It's just it's just a ridiculous proposition that we should now be adult enough now to fix. And it's a funny one, Barnaby, because when you say we're sending it to the rest of the world, uh, a lot of uh, people would probably just go to just one or two countries. But there's a uh, fair few countries now, and people would probably be surprised of how many people are jumping on this. Yeah, we've, let's go through a couple of them. Obviously, the United States, China, India, uh, Indonesia, France. Russia, Japan, France, yeah. England, Scandinavian countries. We've got our technology for the for the reactor in Lucasite. That came from Argentina. Um, it, it is it is odd. Uh, Pakistan, South Africa, uh, Israel, and we, we can go round and round the world. And there there are more. There are more reactors being built all the time. And this is being used for power. We've just we're stuck, rightly so, with a with a sense of concern. But issues such as Chernobyl, 
that was 1950s Soviet technology. And if you've ever driven a 1950s Soviet car, you know how that works. They haven't come a long way, though, since then either, have they? In, in, yeah, and, but where we are now, it's, we it's completely different. Yeah. And we've got, to, you know, we've got to change with the times. And it, it's, if we don't believe in it, then don't mine it. But if you do believe in it, why don't you use it? So you're passionate about it. How are you going to push this um, push this through? Because you know, I think you're onto something that needs well, to be investigated. You, you to, first of all, you've got to stand up against the, the what they call the zeitgeist, where everybody sort of says, "See, in Canberra, everyone privately in this private conversation with one another mm. says, oh, this is ridiculous. We should move on. We should have our own nuclear reactors for power.' But as soon as you stick a camera in their face, they go back to the line. No, we don't believe in it. And it's, I just think it's ridiculous. And I keep on saying to a lot of my colleagues in the Labor Party and elsewhere, why don't we just you know break this ceiling? And do it properly and do it in a bipartisan way. I know so many people in the Labor Party you know, for us using nuclear power, and there's so many younger people, to be quite frank, who are for us using nuclear power. But, you know, we've got a 1980s mindset for many people who just, you know, it was the, it was the issue du jour then, and um, we, don't, you know, we passed all this legislation that we, you know, we're banning nuclear power plants. No one ever actually had one. There's only... There's only one nuclear reactor in Australia. It's bang smack in the geographic centre of Sydney called Lucas Heights. Mm. Now, tell you how concerned they are about that reactor. They just sold blocks of land there the other day, building blocks, no house on them. They went for a million dollars each. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, there needs to be an adult conversation and a bipartisan approach to the solution to base load power. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you, you know, so I said, oh, if, you want, if you want the cheapest form, we, you know, coal-fired power will do it. Now then you get some people say, oh, I don't want the emissions from coal-fired power. So you go, okay, we're going to have hydro. We're going to build a dam. That'll give you dispatchable power. Oh, don't want to stop the rivers flowing. You go, okay. Um, we're, we're, we're running out of options here. Gas. Oh, I don't want, to, don't, don't want gas coming out of the pillar. You go, don't want that. Don't, don't like coal and gas. Okay, we'll go nuclear. Oh, I don't like nuclear. So, well, <laughs> we're just saying is you don't want electricity. That's actually what you're saying. That's where we've got to. If we can't use any of these forms, and they say, well, what, what about solar? And say, well, that works some of the time when the sun's shining, and then it doesn't work at all. And then same with wind. It works some of the time, and then it doesn't work at all. And if you want to think that these, even those two are not contentious, well, I'll take you to towns even in our electorate where they're highly contentious. In, uh, with solar, there are people in Urala on both sides of the argument. Some people love it. Some people hate it with the idea that they'll have a huge solar farm there. With uh, wind... And Nundle, some people love it, some people hate it. it they're, they're all contentious. No matter which way you go on these issues, you're going to find a contentious proposition. And if you just say, well, if there's contention, I don't go any further, well, you've just, you've just signed your own death warrant because you, you're going nowhere. And uh, Barnaby, you've touched on pretty much everybody's going to be 50-50. One thing most people are in agreement with is the fact that our electricity prices, I should say, are shooting through the roof. You you had a very uh, informative uh, way of describing that to the people in the room the other day at the State of the Nation uh, lunch, if you cared to share that one. Well, um, (laughs) I just believe that I'm not quite sure what exactly the words are used, but ultimately, um, if you don't have reliable baseload power, you're not going to have industry. You're not going to have Taminda. You're not going to have the capacity for blue-collar jobs. Uh, you're not going to... The person whose standard of living is totally reliant on the price of power, those people in the Weatherboard 9, well, they're the people who are most affected because they have the least amount of disposable income. So an increase in the power price means that they're more affected than most. And the people who are poorer are the ones who can't afford the highly expect, expensive but efficient electricity uh, white goods such as fridges or washing machines, they get the cheaper ones. 
they buy the cheaper cars and they're more affected by the price of energy. Now, um, you know, if people don't believe in power, well, that's fine. We'll just switch it off. And uh, whilst you're sitting in your high-rise building in Sydney, it'll just get hotter and hotter and hotter because we'll have no air conditioning. And instead of using the lift, you can walk up the damn stairs, see what you think of that. Um, And when you get home, well, we can just use candles. This, ultimately, you'll end up back on, you know, you can go back to the cave floor and live live on beetles and nuts too if you want. Or you can decide that uh, it's an unreasonable proposition that the price of power is as high as it is. And the simple rules of economics is if you want to bring down the price, you increase supply. There you must, therefore, you must have a substantial increase in supply with multiple entities selling you the product. There's no point having a substantial increase in, pro- in supply from a monopoly or an oligopoly because they'll just control the market and keep the price up. But you must have multiple sellers, multiple buyers, transparency in the market, um, and um, then you're going to get a cheaper price now. I want to get more supplies of electricity, more sources of electricity, and I believe in divestiture power. So companies such as AGL, who have used their near-monopoly position to exploit the market and to drive up prices that we can say to them, if you close down Liddell, as they're intending to do, uh, we will divest Liddell from you and sell to another power company. And this, these are the sort of actions that we need to take to get, get on top of uh, power prices, but it requires a brave government and require determined action. And when we bring forward divestiture powers, even the, the, what happens is, the, to be quite frank, the big end of town, the big businesses, they know they're getting nowhere with us. So they go talk to the Labor Party. Next thing you know, the Labor Party's voting against divestiture powers. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the form of politics that you never see, but it's the form of politics I see up close. Yeah, and that's why I said bipartisan approach and adult conversation. The other thing that comes from that is obviously water. Um, dams, the need to upgrade, build, other solutions. Um, Where are we? You touched on it at the State of the Nation lunch. Yep. Uh, Look, our stock of dams, Tim, just in its own, even if there wasn't a drought, our stock of water storage is too low for the population we now have. We have the appropriate water storage stock, like dams, for a population of around about 18 million. We've now got 26. So even if there wasn't a drought, we'd have to build more dams. But it's exacerbated because we do have a drought, and we're seeing it now in places such as Tamworth. We, we literally may run out of water. Not right now, but if we don't get a good season in front of us or some floods or something, we've got real problems. And same with Armadale and same with Dubbo, and it's already happened at Marunda, and it's happened in Gaira. Same with Tennerfield. Yeah. The only place that's sort of safe is because it's got Copen Dam is uh, in Varel. Um, and I've, got, I've had the... Well, having treasurer and the water minister in our electorate and i'm getting all the councillors uh, not the councillors, but the mayors to either go themselves or send a representative to inverell to talk to him and the biggest issue i want to drive forward is we've got to start building more dams dungowan dam uh mile river dam uh, there should have been a dam on the apsley and and what happens what frustrates me is they say oh, we can't build them and you say well why because regulation and legislation but that's not that hasn't come down on pills of stone from the cot that's come from politicians well if politicians create the, the problems, such as excessive regulation, then politicians can remove the problems, such as excessive regulation. But once more, they've got to have a will to do it, and they've got to be prepared to take on the, the excessive green leaning of many bureaucrats and say that these regulations are unnecessary, excessive, and will be removed. And a minister can remove a regulation with the stroke of a pen. Legislation has to go through two houses of parliament, but, but regulations 
And they're the ones that, you know, when they say you've got to have a this report and a that report and a that report and a this report and a something other report, and all those reports have to be reviewed by Mr. Forbes, who hands them to Mrs. You know, you know, Mrs. Kajoops. Um, well, that's reg- regulations. They can be removed by the Minister of Australia's opinion and say they're gone. And Barnaby, we're talking about what we should do uh, now that we have identified the problem and what are the fixes. I want to touch on how did we get to this problem in the first place? You've just touched on the fact that we're, we're out of numbers by millions of people. Is it the fact that we have seen so many different governments over the last decade? How has it taken such a bad crisis for us to realise well, that we have a severe problem? Well, when things are going well, there's never a problem, is there? I mean, they, yeah. is they call it like the, what do we call the Arkansas roof theory, which uh, there was a bloke in Arkansas and his roof was leaking in the middle of a storm. The bloke turned up to his house and said, mate, you should fix your roof. And he said, well, I can't. It's raining outside. And he goes, okay. Next day he came back. It was bright and shining. He said, mate, you should fix your roof. And he said, I don't have to. It's not raining. And, and that's the sort of logic we've got to in Australia. But the reason we've ended up in this position of excessive regulation is because although we never elect them, you end up with bureaucrats, maybe well-meaning, but they drive an agenda of their own. And their agenda of their own is one of further and further green regulation. And what happens is if a minister, a minister is just a politician, is a person off the street like you, when they're new at, new at their job and they're not more discerning, they have, uh, unfortunately, an unwitting capacity to just agree with the recommendations for the regulations that have been sent up to them from a department by a green bureaucrat. And all these regulations, if you look through them, they're all about stopping things. I've never seen a regulation that's about starting it. They're all about stopping. And once they're in place... They're looked on as sort of articles from God that you can't dare touch, you know, otherwise the Burlong Frog will disappear. And if you actually dig down on them, most of them are completely and utterly ridiculous. Like, it is, you know, the studies that they have are an absurdity. Fish regulations, for instance, that we have where there has never, ever been a stream, but there's fish regulations covering them. Um, the, 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 the form of pipes that you can put in on the ground that, once more, to assist fish when there's never even been a fish in the gully. I mean, these are the, it's, these are the ridiculous scenarios you have. Trees that you cannot touch or you'll go to jail. It, it is an absurdity. We've had roads that we can't basically straighten out because there's a tree there, and the tree apparently is sacred. And, you know, this, this, and how did these things come about? By regulation signed off by a minister. How did the minister do that? By recommendation from a department, from a person in the department. Why did the minister do that? Because I was probably lazy that day, weren't, didn't quite read the paperwork, weren't quite really thinking about it, and that's, that's life. Now we've got to have an audit on all this stuff, and Tim being a, a counsellor and understanding this, and a man say, these are all the regulations, these are the ones that have to go, let's do it. This is a crisis, this is a drought, let's remove this stuff. Because at the pointy end, trying to deal with this, it's generally councils. True, and I think what you said just makes a lot of common sense now common sense and politics generally don't get married or get together. Going forward the issue is real. Um, we've had some stable governments, we've had some changing governments over, over the last 20 odd years but we're now in a point where we need some nation building infrastructure whether that's dams, whether that's pipelines and you are talking sense as you see it. How are you going to bring that change about and what's going to happen from your point of view? Well, I'll give you one example, uh, Tim, to show you one piece of infrastructure that's going ahead, and I'll tell you how I did it, and I'll probably give you an in- instance of how you got to do the next lot. That's the Inland Rail. They talked about it for years and years and years and years and years. And I you know, 
very lucky. I had the chance to come for a period to be the Deputy Prime Minister, which means I was in charge of the coalition agreement. Yeah. And I basically said, if we don't start this, there will be no coalition agreement. We'll be out. And um, they, people say it's belligerent, it's bloody-minded, but I got the $10 billion, $10,000 million hmm. to get it going, and we're building it. And sometimes Tim is says, where is that? And, he's, and the next time if I was doing it, I said, we're going to build the Bradfield scheme. If you, do, if you, don't, if you want a government, we're going to build the Bradfield scheme. We're going to take the water from north, northern Australia and start bringing it down by the western rivers into um, the Murray-Darling, into the, well, into the Darling. And I said, well, we don't want to do that. And so that's fine. There's no coalition. And you know, other decisions in our nation have happened like that. Um, and they'll, they'll always try and run you down. For instance, APVMA, no one agreed to that. That was just my, my idea. Uh, but it worked. And it's there now. Um, on the other side, the Labor Party brought forward the NBN. It, it was just a decision. It was a decision by Conroy. It was made with, by Conroy and Rudd on a plane. Um, now, for all its problems, I don't think anybody would want to get rid of it now. You know, it's, it's, uh, and I think that the Bradfield scheme, if we wait for a chorus of angels to tell us it's thing to do, it will never happen. Um, but if you just get into it, start it, you don't have to build it straight away. You build it over 40, 50 years. Um, then I think that we can make this nation an incredibly stronger place with taking water from where there's an abundance to where there's a paucity that is very little to none at all. And uh, uh, well, yep. Barnaby, I was, was going to say, I think a lot of people in our region would agree, and it sounds like you must be a fan of this podcast because the man sitting across from me has used the example of the inland rail uh, for the Bradfield scheme for quite some time. Now, we have heard that the Labor Party has said we've, we've drought infrastructure and so on, we will match you, we, we won't argue with it. We've heard that it's the government's number one priority. We are now seeing ministers on the ground uh, here in our electorate uh, across New South Wales now. We're seeing it, we're hearing it everywhere. Uh, can we expect to actually see some significant announcements or funding yeah. or anything in the near future? Well, I'm hoping, and I'll keep driving for, for two dams. Okay, Dungown, Mole River. Dungown's a town with, and as you know, I've got $75 million. I haven't. You, the taxpayer, has. Um, I've got the authority to put it there, but I didn't put it there myself because it's your money. There's $75 million basically sitting in an allocation to start Dungown Dam. Now, I want to get that started, and I believe that we can get movement. And this, in my, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have the treasurer in our electorate and the, the water minister in our electorate meeting people and that is the agenda I am driving on your behalf um, it's, it's just got to happen but if you want to know one of the frustrations going back to what we said before they said we need some more studies now wait for it guess how much they want to allocate for further studies for Dungown Dam probably 50% $23 million $23 million for people to do paperwork and $23 million on top of money that have already allocated for the studies on Dungown Dam we've spent it We've done it. But this is, this is, and where does that insanity come from that we have to do $23 million more paperwork on it? Well, it comes from regulations. Who put in place the regulations? The minister. Why the minister do it? Because they're advised to do it. Who advised them to do it? The green bureaucrat advised them to do it. What do we need to do? Repeal it. Get rid of it. Get a cleaner slate. So instead of using $23 million on paperwork, we can use $23 million on earth movers from Tamworth to start building it. 
Yeah, and that's and this is the solution going forward. We we sometimes need to go. How can we make it happen? Not not what are the problems? It's how can that happen? And that's we yeah. need to be enablers and positive about that. The the more recent things as well. We've just seen an RBA, a regional uh, the um, Reserve Bank yep. cut rates again to stimulate the economy. Yet yep. immediately afterwards, I think the share market went down and banks refused to pass the full cut on. Um, yep. Any anything in that space? Yeah, well, we, we're very lucky. We've had uh, the uh, Reserve Bank Governor, Mr Lowe, in Armidale. He gave a speech in Armidale, which is yeah, good. Which Get him out into a regional area yep. to come and enter our electorate. Very good idea. Now, um, one of the things he brought up, which is very interesting, that a quarter of the bonds that are issued in the world now are you know, on negative interest rates. That means you put your money in the bank, you actually get back less than what you put in. Mm. And that shows the uncertainty that's there in the globe. Um, so, you know, you put $100 in the bank and you'll get back 97 when you take it out because they believe that putting money in the bank is safer than putting it in your house, which they think is going to fall by even more than that. Now, that's not in Australia, but that's in a lot of other parts of the world, especially areas with no population growth because you've got a stock of houses. Well, who's going to need to buy it if there's not more people? You know, there's enough houses for the people. So that would say that suggests the price of houses is going to fall over, not go up. Um, one of the issues that we've got, of course, is banks saying, well, they, they're not compelled to follow, follow the RBA. They're, 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 they're encouraged to, they're inclined to, but they're not compelled to. And um, they, they, you know, if they feel that they can make money without having to uh, follow us down, then that's precisely what they do. And we can try and guilt trip them into it. It's called jawboning, jawboning them into it, but that usually has no effect. The only thing that really has effect on banks is, like everybody else, competition. And if you have further banks taking their business off them, then they'll follow the they'll follow the competitors down long before they'll follow the Reserve Bank of Australia down. So, uh, you know, it's we're sort of getting to ground zero now with the interest rates at 075 percent. There's really not much. There's no there's little or no effect once you get there. What you've got to do now is start using other policy policies. To stimulate the economy, and the big one is infrastructure. Exactly and what's right. a key piece of infrastructure? Dams, inland rail, Tamworth bypass, these sort of things. That's, that, that's, that's what's going to pick things up and drive it ahead. So you know, we've got the, on the cheap. The government now can borrow money, basically. There's one indicator. The government can borrow money at 0.751% and get as much as it ever wants. The money will just flow in. So if we can borrow money at 0.75% of a percent, we should be investing that in infrastructure, good infrastructure, reasonable infrastructure, infrastructure that adds value to the nation, such as dams, such as rail, such as better roads, and not rubbish infrastructure, which is, you know, uh, well, a classic one of the past with school halls. I mean, I thought, wonderful. I thought you were going to say really pink bats for a minute. Yeah, pink bats. There you go. I mean, that was that was ridiculous. And I, I've heard you mention them before. So, nation building infrastructure is a good way of, of stimulating the economy. Water infrastructure is another great way of stimulating the economy as an offshoot of that. The the Apsley Dam, I've heard you speak quite passionately about that before because that was yeah. a hydro solution and well, a water yeah. storage solution. That, that's correct. It was actually being built. It was being built and they stopped it in 1984 because of Greens, the Greenlight regulations. They stopped it. So they actually got in, started doing the footing works and everything like that. It would, would have been a massive dam, really would have plumbed up our water supplies because we would have been able to bring water from the eastern side to the western side of the Great Dividing Range, provide electricity. But, of course, what happens is 
the green bureaucrats, the Labor government, the green bureaucrats come into play. Uh, they say, well, you know, this really upsets me in Woolloomooloo or in Balmain. And therefore, they make a recommendation to the minister this has got to immediately stop. It'll cause devastating effects on the environment. Usually a load of rubbish. If you really think about it, the only reason there's water at Tamworth is because of regulated dam, Chaffee Dam, letting water down. Otherwise, the river in Tamworth would be dry. If you've got a big dam, it actually adds to the biota. That means the, bio, the biodiversity below the dam because they've got a capacity to deliver water to them. Yeah, look, and I don't think Amy's going to argue with you. And at the moment... You know, yeah. I think we, we all need as a, com- as a community, as a nation, to come together because drought is, is still there. Um, water to solve it is what we need, but we've got farmers. We're going to be importing food at, if it keeps on going. Which we're, is doing not it. we're doing we it do. now, Tim. Yeah, we're, did, we're, importing, we're importing wheat from Canada, yeah. red wheat. Yeah, but it, it's not a solution long term. No, it's not, but uh, we'll, you know, if we, we could dramatically increase the agricultural capacity of Australia. If we were able to bring the water from the north, from the up near Townsville down, and it is not an impossibility because Australia is basically flat. If we pick up water there and have it at around about 300, 400 metres above sea level, we can, for the vast majority, gravity, gravity feed it down. And that's you know, one of the, the great things. We could do this as a nation if we really wanted to. And what I always say to people, unfortunately, is that the Chinese were running Australia and God forbid that ever happens, because I'm, I'm, we're blessed that it doesn't. They would have started the Bradfield scheme years ago. Yeah, look, I mean, we've got the, uh, the inland rail we've already mentioned, but uh, parallel project in the rail corridor is a water pipeline, and there's a big solution for us going forward. Yeah, and gas, you could get a gas pipeline along there as well. Yeah, and put it on the, the other side. The rail corridor goes straight, straight through the political forest. Yep. Should be running gas out along there as well. And, you know, if you've got another gas line into Tamworth, imagine the, imagine the industry would build up around Tamenda if we had... You know, direct access to a, to a new gas precinct. We could do massive things. So technically, um, yeah. technically, you guys, the, the National Party, hold the balance of power in, in most people's eyes. Yeah. Uh, is this not something that the party could do to leverage the opportunity for for rural Australia? Well, I, you know, I can only, I, I can only talk for myself here. I did that when we got the inland rail. I did that when we got the decentralisation of APVMA. Um, APVMA to Armadale, AgriFutures to, to Wagga, um, section of the Murray-Darling Basin to Wodonga, GRDC to Toowoomba and Northern. Yeah, I did that when we set up the Regional Investment Corporation, a $4 billion bank in Orange. Um, these are all just small parts of leverage within the coalition where you say, if we don't get this, we do not have a coalition. Now, what other people choose to do, that is for them. Uh, but you're dead right, and Tim, I agree with you. I should be arguing against you, but I agree with you. You've got to go to the table and really sort of mark out your turf of the things you want and the non-negotiable things, and, you, and it just to let you... Oh, I always feel it's more important now, sort of at the later ages of my career, than to start to tell people the honest truth. You can say to them, well, you want to be the Prime Minister, don't you? And they go, yes, of course, they all want their photo on the wall. Okay, you got the Prime Minister. Great, that means I get the next choice. I want to be the Treasurer. And they go, well, that's outrageous. So, oh, well, you choose first. I want to be the treasurer. And they say, well, you can't be the treasurer. So, oh, that's no good. Well, in that case, I'll be the finance minister. Now, you don't want to do that. And you say, well, okay, the next thing I say, you're not going to argue against because otherwise you don't have a coalition. So I'm going to ask, ask for some things now, and the answer to, the, to my request is yes. Otherwise, we'll go back to me being the treasurer. And, and uh, uh, that's, that's probably how you got a bargain. And that's how we need this bargaining to go. And uh, hopefully 
Sooner rather than later, to see some action. In the meantime, Barnaby, just before we let you go, very interested to get your take on one other thing. Uh, particularly in the last month, we have seen national media broadcasting and reporting on towns like Dubbo running out of water by the end of the year. And realistically, figures are coming out from those actual centres themselves that they are well off the money. Um, but we don't want to see interest and uh, income being diverted out of these places because of inaccurate reporting. How much of a responsibility do you think that our national media needs to have to not sensationalise the problem, but to report it uh, correctly and accurately? Well, we always, and you're part of it, we've got to remember that the media isn't, they're not Clark Kent from the Daily Planet fighting for truth and justice. The purpose of media is to sell advertising revenue. They are a business. And um, boring stories don't sell. Exciting stories sell. And so it is, they have, we see in politics, we always think that the media is the, you know, truth and the light and will always say the right thing and will come to the rescue. The Daily Telegraph is there, it's not there for the truth and the light. The Daily Telegraph is there to, to provide sensational stories that sell papers. So if you can, you know, a baby's interesting, but, you know, um, a snake with two heads, even more interesting, put that on the front page. You know, and, uh, and so, the, the media have a responsibility, but we also have a responsibility to understand where they're coming from. They, their job is to sell papers, is to get eyeballs, is to gain advertising revenue so they can make money. And if they don't make money, they go broke. And what we now have is yet another example of where this is all going. See, your life and the, and the papers' lives in Australia are becoming incredibly tough because of this company called Google. See, Google has created a platform which so many eyeballs, that is advertising revenue, has gone to other venues. And they've got their, and their client, they're putting their ads on those venues. And Google pays little or no tax in Australia. So this is another thing that we're going to deal with. We are going to get, we, we can ask the media to be less sensational, I think, when they, when we do a job for them. And that is properly monitor the other platforms that are not paying any tax in Australia that are taking eyeballs away from your, your, your enterprise. Look, couldn't agree with you more, and, and that's why we put the podcast together in the first place, because we don't sell advertising on the podcast, we just tell it as it is, and that's why we love talking to you, because you do too. Yeah, well, that's a, I suppose it's a, both you and I, Tim, have been around this, this uh, sort of political, quasi-political game for a fair while, so I've got a rough idea how it works. Yeah, look, and the truth doesn't sell stories very often, but if you no. tell it long enough and hard enough, people obviously eventually see common sense, and common sense yeah. is something we need to bring back in competition to Google. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, close with, I'll give you a classic example of how the media works. Um, I was accused at one stage for not putting out a drought report. I actually put out about 15, but anyway. So anyway, then I said, no drought report. And I said, well, actually, that's rubbish, and went on and did a piece on Facebook saying, here they all are, covering all the table. Yeah. And they said, well, then you didn't put out a final report. I said, well, which one do you want to call my final report? There's 15 of them. And then they say, then, they, then that story's not good enough. So, so the story of we got it wrong... He actually did put a lot of reports out. It was not good enough. So then they say, Mr. Morrison's coming back to clean up the problems with the drought envoy. I went, what problems were there? What problems were there? Yeah. But see, the, other, the, the sensational story is better. So, Look, and that's just, and if you don't like that, get out of politics. It it's is. Just, just one of the things you've got to suffer. Say, climate Commission went around. They didn't actually report back to government, yeah. apparently. Um, again, back in the day, and then we could say the MDBA consulted with people and didn't take notes. Um, um, but yeah, look, where are we at and what are we doing? Yeah, and the, the main thing is, yeah, um, 
you know, you, you think, what is the, the effect? The effect is Drag Community's program, every one of our councils got a million dollars. That's effect. That's good. The effect is uh, a $200,000 interest, uh, interest-free for two years, interest-only for three-year loan. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the effect is um, that we get economic stimulation by bringing forward infrastructure projects. That's good. Um, you know, but people, will, you know, the opposition's job is always to try and feed information to the media in such a way as it creates a sensational story that sells the papers and, you know, causes you political da- damage. And that's, that's part and parcel of yeah. how politics works. Well, drought just needs to be an adult conversation, a bipartisan conversation, yeah. realising we're playing with people's lives. Dead right. That's exactly it, and unfortunately, these media organisations probably don't care about the investment into these rural centres they may be diverting due to reporting these inaccurate facts, and we all know right here, right at this current stage, is when these towns, these rural towns in New South Wales and regional centres need an influx of money more now than ever before. And uh, the last thing we need is the sensationalism and the exaggeration on these so-called day zeros, which aren't correct, uh, to stop that from happening. But I guess on the flip of the coin, yes, we we do need to make sure that everyone in the country knows uh, what crisis we are in here in regional New South Wales. One man that definitely does know that is you, Barnaby Joyce. Thank you so much for joining us on the 2TM News Podcast today. We'll let you get on with the job and uh, hopefully we can see some investment uh, and some water infrastructure in our near future. But thank you so much for making the time to appear on the 2TM News Podcast today. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, Barnaby. And to our listeners, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to doing it all again next week. And that one was brought to you by Supersteel Tower. This is the 2TM News Podcast with Jack Howard and Tim Coates. Thanks to Supersteel. If it's happened in the news over the last week, you'll hear Jack and Tim discuss it right here on the 2TM News Podcast. Thanks to Supersteel Tamworth, providing quality steel products, excellent customer service, along with cutting, bundling and prompt delivery. There's steel and then there's Supersteel. Super Steel.